0: Hi, and welcome to the Sports Info Solutions Baseball Podcast. I'm Mark Simon. On today's show, everything's bigger in Texas. We're joined by Rangers second baseman Marcus Semien and Astros center fielder Jake Myers for a pair of conversations about defensive excellence. Our VP of Baseball, former Major Leaguer Bobby Scales, joins us too. Let's get to it. We're joined by one of the best players in baseball, Marcus Semyon, second baseman for the Rangers. If there was a three-year Fielding Bible Award at second base, he'd win it pretty easily. And even though he's in the midst of this amazing hitting streak, we're going to talk mostly defense with him. Uh, Marcus, how's it going? Doing great. How are you? We're good. Do you have any memory of the first time that you made a great defensive play?
1: Yeah, I think I think I was about six or seven years old, and I was able to turn an unassisted triple play where I... <laughs> I might have been playing shortstop. I got the ball, tagged a runner out in between first and second. I think I might have caught a ball, tagged the guy out in between first and second, sprinted to third base, and tagged him out too somehow. But My mom could probably tell you the exact play, but I do remember the unassisted triple.
0: Did it feel good?
1: Of course. (laughs) Triple play is always something that's unbelievable. I know in youth seven-year-old baseball, you probably see it more because of the, the bad base running. But.
0: So I heard Josh Lowe in game the other day say that the team's motto this year with this great season that you guys are having is to win every pitch. I know how the team is doing it offensively. I see it every night in the highlights. How is the team doing that defensively?
1: Well, there's a, there's a lot of different ways. I think first and foremost, we have athletes on the field, guys who can run, guys who can move around, and guys who work on their craft. You know, we have good coaches. We actually have two infield coaches, an outfield coach who, you know, is not too far removed from playing and Will Venable, who has learned a lot about this positioning. And of course, he knows all the drills and things to get better. So, you know, we have a good thing going here. We use our, the data to the best of our ability. And then we also use feel once we get in the game. How do you use data? Well, I think where we play, you know, obviously I can't go to the other side of the diamond anymore, like we used to. So we really have to be on on point with where we're standing with no strikes and two strikes. I I find myself moving around a lot with two strikes, just trying to make sure I'm in the right spot in relation to where we're pitching guys. And, you know, we want to be as efficient as possible and standing in the right spot and then use our ability to get to anything we can.
0: So this has become a theme of the last couple of episodes that we've done. Josh Rojas was talking to us about how the strength and conditioning staff essentially work to re uh, to help him, adjust to a new defensive approach at third base and how it's done wonders for his game this season and I'm curious as you've gotten older particularly how have you and the strength and conditioning staff kind of worked to accommodate your body to maximize what you can do both at second base and to play every day like you do
1: yeah I think when you talk defense and middle infield or any anybody who needs to be you know quick reacting you know I think I take away, or we got rid of the cardio and did more sprinting, and we did more lateral movement and ladder work and things that, you know, I call it the the dark meat muscles. You know, you want to have quick twitch muscle work going on, and especially in the off season. And once you get into season, we play every day, so those those reps come. But those are things that we definitely worked on.
0: We were talking with Cheek Myers of the Astros as well about his pregame preparation. He was telling us a story about making a catch at Miller Park where he crashed into the fence. What's your pregame prep like?
1: My pregame prep is pretty much fungos. I make sure I get three to five balls at each position where I'm playing and you know, each direction where the ball may be hit. So that means you know, three backhand, three forehand, and I go to a different spot where I may be playing that night, three backhand, three forehand. And I work on charging the, the ball and turning double plays. And you know, it gets me going and makes me feel like I'm prepared for the game. And I, I definitely want to take ground balls every single day.
0: So I saw a couple of nice dives that you've had this year. I saw a jump throw on a ball up the middle, a quick DP turn, a Dulles Garcia to Simeon to Leon throw out at the plate against Chase Peterson, where, by the way, your throw was harder than Garcia's. I want to touch on that first. What do you remember about that play?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just remember being in my old... In my hometown in Oakland, old stomping grounds. And, you know, it's always motivation for me, especially playing in front of family. And, you know, those plays are huge. I think the reason we thought out was how quick Adolis got the ball. He threw it. The ball had a little tail on it. I reached for it and I was able to get a good transfer. But that's something that I've always wanted to get better at is the relay throw. And, you know, we always work on it in spring training. And, you know, those plays are few and far between. So I was glad to get that one. Get that one done
0: so i actually noticed that as a pattern too because both the double plays that i saw were really good glove to hand transfer things for you was that something that you worked on
1: yeah i mean we i turned double plays every single day you know in my work i think that that's something that all infielders need to be good at is ball handling and i i think back to my college coach david Esker, he always talked about ball handling he had us putting the ball behind our back and just doing stuff just to get our hands used to moving as quick, and, as quick as they could. So
0: do you have a favorite play
1: from this year? I'd probably say the quick double play turn. I believe it was run runner on third, less than two outs, and we were able to get out of the inning. So anytime you can turn a double play in a pressure situation and get our pitcher out of a jam, I think those those mean the most to, to our ball
0: throw. What about the jump throw?
1: The jump throw, I, that was second on the list. I think that Just being able to reach for that ball and quick transfer and the jump just happened. You know, I didn't I didn't predetermine what I was going to do. It just it just kind of happened and good play by Nate to catch the ball. as well.
0: So you mentioned Nate. And one thing that we noticed is that in addition to your defensive run save numbers being very good this year, his defensive run save save numbers are good this year. And that wasn't the case last season. What have you seen from him at first base? Well, I think me not being deep in right field is actually helping both of
1: us in a way. The reason I say that is because if I'm over a couple steps to my left, closer to him, he's able to move over to the line. So he's we're working as a unit to get every single ball and make every single out. And I think that there were plays last year where he had to go to his right where, you know, we didn't get out sometimes on the PFP that are now outs where if I'm close to him, I tell him, just go to the base. If I'm over more straight up, he knows he's got to go get it. And we're just working really well together. This is year two for us. So those are things that we learn after one year.
0: You're someone that, as I said, last three years is the top guy in defensive runs saved at second base. So it may be easy for some of us to think, oh, the position's not that difficult for him. What's the hardest part of playing second base?
1: It's a good question. I think for me, once I moved from shortstop to second base, I realized, you know, how different the right-handed ground ball was, especially if it's a little slice to where you almost have to overrun the ball to your left just to get to it because it's running away from you. The next thing would probably be the double play turn and receiving throws from outfielders to try and tag them at second with your back turned. You know, shortstop, everything is right in front of you once you're at second base. And a lot of times as a second baseman, you know, the game is behind you and you have to Find where the tag to tag the
0: So, the feeling that you're experiencing during this hot hitting stretch, can you feel like that when you're in the field too?
1: Definitely. I think the focus is the number one most important aspect of playing defense. And what I mean is, when you're out there, you're focused on the hitting zone, you're focused on the batter's swing, and your timing is right. You're watching the pitcher when he starts. And, you know, there's times where, hey, you may have a bad at bat the inning before, and you take a pitch off because you're thinking about, Whatever happened, a bad call or bad swing, or, you know, so being able to individualize every single pitch and have full attention every single pitch is definitely something I try and do.
0: So we should bring up the hitting streak just because it's there. What has the, this last 25 games or so been like for you? You know, it's been fun because we've been winning.
1: You know, I, I always want to score runs. So that means have a good at bat, get on base. Yeah. You know, if I'm swinging at the right pitches, I'm getting ahead in the count. If I'm hitting the fastball well and taking the, the off speed out of the zone, I'm going to be in a good position. Those are things that I've been doing lately. And those are things that I strive to do the entire year. There are times where you get more pitches to hit than others. And, you know, a lot of hitters sometimes try and chase, chase hits when they're not getting anything to, to hit. So I'm, these are things that I've kind of learned over the years and hit, hitting streaks are great, but I'm trying to score runs every single game.
0: Two other questions for you here. And just going back to defense, there was a play the other day where I think this epitomizes how well it's going for Texas right now, where Jonah Haim tries to throw a guy out at second base. You're going to throw him out. I'm looking at the play on the old nine and you're covering second. You're going to get the guy, but he spikes the throw and the ball goes right to Corey Seager at shortstop. He throws it back to Haim and they get the guy coming from third to home for the out at the plate. What was your reaction to that?
1: Well, if you watch the video, I'm standing there in disbelief because I knew we had an out at second. And I thought back to, like, my high school days where we used to have a play where we would throw it to the middle infielder, like the off-middle infielder, and sometimes the runner at third would run because they're trying to cheat and steal a run. But in that case, Jonah is supposed to be reading the runner at third, and I think he got thrown off by Caballero because he may have jumped a little bit. And, you know, I'm looking at second, like, we could have got this guy out before he scored anyway. And, you know, that's how it's been going for us. You know, we've been getting lucky, but we've also been playing some really good defense and ultimately winning ballgames.
0: And to close, uh, who's someone on this team whose defense we should be more aware of?
1: Ooh, that's a good one. I really have been impressed with Jankowski.
0: Home run robbery?
1: Yes. I mean, he's a guy who hasn't gotten as much playing time in his career as maybe he deserves. We picked him up, you know, on a minor league deal. And... Right away when we took infield outfield, I saw how good his arm was. He's one of the fastest runners on our team, at the sprint speed, and his—you know he's just solid. He's a veteran presence. He's hitting well, You know, which I definitely love how fast he is out there and how fundamentally sound he is.
0: Yeah, he's been great. Marcus Simeon has been great as well. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Best of luck the rest of the year as the Rangers continue to roll on. Thanks, Marcus. All right. Take it easy. We're joined by Jake Myers, center fielder for the Houston Astros. Jake's played about one major league season, the equivalent thereof, in center field. And in that time that we're talking, he has 13 career defensive runs saved. Not quite league leader, but close kind of numbers if you put them over a full season. Hey, Jake, how's it going? Good, how are you doing? can remember making a great defensive play. We always start with that. Yeah,
2: in college, I remember there was a play going back to my left and I had to dive Layout, like Superman, catch backwards to my left, and I thought that was pretty tough, because my clothes on my right knee, I thought that was
0: pretty good So, did did you get up from that one unscathed? I did. I did, yeah, I had plenty of room. Okay, good. And that's something we're going to talk about. So... The, one of the reasons that we reached out to get you on, it seemed like every day in May we were watching an Astros center fielder make a great catch. You, Chaz, there's a few plays that we want to ask about. But first, your body's taking a, quite a pounding. How have you been managing that?
2: Yeah, just working with the training staff and just showing up every day, taking care of my body. Because while I want to play defense hard and play it well, it's something I take pride in. And so that's definitely something I need to do is take care of my body.
0: So when we talked to Josh Rojas earlier this year about that and how he worked with the strength and conditioning coach to essentially reframe him in terms of how he approached playing third base. Is there anything specific that you do that that has helped you play center field?
2: Taking care of my hamstrings, staying strong in my legs and just making sure they do a really good job of, of checking how much sprint sprinting, how much high speed yards I get. And really just staying on top of that, just making sure that I'm getting my sprinting in so that when I do have to go make make a catch, make a play, that I, I my hands should be ready or my body's ready for it.
0: That you're comfortable. And uh, so let's dive right in. I don't want to talk dives, but first I want to ask about a play where my immediate reaction was, oh my God, and that was May 22nd against the Brewers. Owen Miller, 405 feet to tip center. You get a good jump. The ball's going 105 at your peak. If I'm doing the math right, you're going about 20. Miles per hour. You catch the ball and you go into the wall hard, and you got back up. how'd that one happen for you?
2: Yeah, like you said, I thought I got a, a really good jump on it. He hit the ball really hard, and and it wasn't really high in the air. My first initial reaction when I got to Milwaukee was there wasn't a whole lot of space center field. The walls, the wall seems pretty pretty close. So I had a feeling that I was gonna you know, have plays up against the wall, and that was that was one of the you know it was two innings into the first game, and and a ball was hit right next to the wall, and. Got a great jump on it, and I knew I could catch it. And, you know,
0: that was, that was something that I, I kind of knew was, might happen. That's kind of the, an interesting side effect of playing every team in baseball this year is you go into some parks that you might not go into. What's your pregame studying a ballpark routine like? Yeah, during
2: BP, I always, I always go look with our outfield coach, Gary Pettis. We go, we go check out the walls, see how the ball's bouncing off of that but i mean i like to check the the wall I'll check them out if they're they're jagged or i mean every every outfield every wall has has different stuff and like you said new parks you have to really go do your homework
0: so one thing that would concern me a little bit in wrigley you can't do what you did there i don't think because that wall's pretty
3: hard right well, really, yeah, okay, yeah. Good, good. You just, yeah you do
2: know that i've ne- i've never been to wrigley so i'm gonna have to do my homework up up on it when i get there but I'm I'm pretty sure it's a, like a brick wall or something like that.
0: Yeah, you gotta be careful there. Now you yeah. later tripled in that game, if I'm not mistaken.
2: I did, I did.
0: Yeah, so yep. so you were all right, like physically. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but, yeah. I was okay.
0: Yep. Okay. Yep. Did did Dusty say anything in particular to you about that one?
2: Yeah, he t- he told me right when I got back in the dugout. Great catch. Uh yeah, that was that was a great catch.
0: Has he said anything to you that, that's particularly memorable or funny? Oh my gosh, he's told me he's
2: told me a bunch of stories about him, about him his playing days, about him playing with Hank Aaron and and all sorts of stuff like that. But I, I mean, it's hard for me off the top of my head.
0: Well, has has he been to has he made any Nebraska references to you?
2: Oh yeah, I, I mean he he just actually got me some kettle corn that one of his buddies homemade. Just kind of stuff like that, you know, that I I really do love. I've I've eaten some of it already. It's very good.
0: That's dusty though for you. He will yep. he will make sure he does his homework on your background for sure. Yes. We've talked to Kiermaier about this and he's talked about being careful out there. And that applies particularly to that play in Milwaukee. I realize in the moment you're maybe not thinking about it, but how do you approach plays like that, knowing that you've got to you know, your goal is to stay on the field too?
2: Yeah, I mean that's a veteran talking right there, talking about be careful. That's that's something that because of because of what happened to me in twenty one. Is something that I have to continually learn learn about because you're more valuable on the field than you are off. But you also need to to make the plays that that you can make. And so it's finding that fine line of of when to take the risk and when not to.
0: So I did say I wanted to talk dives too, in addition to crashes. And you had one against Brandon Drury about a week ago, a ball sliced at an 11 degree launch. That's a really low line drive. And you were still able to get under it. We had the out probability on that ball at about twenty five percent. And I'm curious how do you handle the low line drive?
2: Yeah, I mean I knew that ball was hit really hard. Those low liners can really be dependent on how they strike the ball. So if it's a backspun baseball or if they hit it perfectly it's knuckling or if it's top spun, thank goodness that ball was a little bit more backspun and so it carried out to me a little bit and gave me a chance to, to get under it.
0: So there was another one that I saw. This one was back in May, and you you just mentioned the different types of spin off the bat. And this one, it looked like maybe you didn't necessarily read it as well. And that was a diving catch that you made on Otani. I'm curious if you could walk us through that one.
2: Yeah, on that one, I didn't. I could not tell how he hit that ball, and at the last second, I I realized it was more of a topspin ball. And, and sometimes you you get to the ball, or you get to a good position, and you kind of have to just be athletic and try and catch the ball
0: because number one rule is catch the ball. So it doesn't matter how you do it, just catch it. Do you watch, uh, so I watched film and I watched the all nine on that which we have access to. Do you watch your all nine to kind of see how you react to balls?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll go check on some of the plays. A lot of times it's the plays that I miss because those are the ones that keep me up at night. Yeah, I'll, I'll check them out and kind of see what happened and how it happened uh, how it happened because really when I'm on the field it's all, it's intuition. There isn't much, much going on upstairs with me. It's just kind of play the game like I know how to. And, and I, I thoroughly enjoy doing that. That's something I, I absolutely love and take a lot of pride in playing playing out. For. What goes into trying to read someone's swing? Really, I think that's just something that my dad played in the minor leagues, kind of taught me to do growing up. That was one of the things that I focused on growing up. I think that some of the other guys didn't really focus on. And so because I, I also pitched growing up and pitched in college. And so that was, that was kind of a tool that he taught me for both of those things that I think I just kind of do subconsciously during the game.
0: So your dad taught you that. What did Darren Erstad teach you?
2: Oh my gosh. What didn't Darren Erstad teach me? I mean, I got so lucky having my dad and Darren Erstad coach me in the outfield. Erstad, every single day, we'd work on a lot of the stuff off the ground, a lot of the spin throws, the the backhand getting quick, the, the first steps with Darren Erstad. During pp is is the best time to get your reps in and your live bp i think i think that is really key for all the young outfielders out there get your live reps and bp and treat it like the game and you'll get a lot better
0: so did he like does he essentially tell you what his history was in terms of i mean one world series but in terms of his defensive play and winning a gold glove at a couple of different spots he would never tell
2: you no. he would never tell us but but we we knew exactly exactly what he was about cuz one thing I'll never forget, he would always walk in, and he would have his glove tucked into his his pants in the back, and he knew, and he knew at any moment he could break it out and play center field with with anybody. And I just loved that, like that. I just loved that. And so he would he would hit us fly balls and really challenge us in a bunch of different types of ways, and and it made me a lot a lot better.
0: What's the hardest part about playing
2: center field for you, specifically in the big leagues? The balls that are backspun, low liners, it can be tough sometimes to know how much they're going to carry because when I got to the big leagues I feel I felt like backspun baseballs would go a good 30 to 40 feet farther so my my initial read I would run to a spot that I thought the ball would be and it would actually carry a little bit farther that that has been kind of an adjustment for me in center field
0: do you feel you've handled it all right
2: yeah yeah with more reps with more reps now it's a lot more natural
0: cool just a couple of quick hitters before we let you go here Better moment for you, the catch that you made against Milwaukee or striking out twenty in a high school no hitter?
2: Oh man. That's a tough question. That's a tough question. I'm gonna go with the catch in Milwaukee.
0: Yeah. Alright, we won't tell your high school friends. You had four hits yesterday. We're talking to you on Wednesday, four hits in a home run. What should we know about your hitting this year?
2: Just trying to simplify and help the team win in any way I can get on base and I think tell me just kind of see better pitches over the middle of the plate and put put the barrel on it.
0: And last thing, and this question is intended in good fun. Would you have caught the ball that Chaz caught in the World Series last year?
2: That's a great. That's a great question. No, that was a fantastic. That's the catch. That's that's a fantastic catch. I think as any outfielder, any outfielder would want to say they catch every ball. But in that moment, I think what made that moment so special was that Chaz was in the right spot at the right time and made the catch. And and that's that's why it's such a great catch is because it was. It was to solidify the
0: World Series. Oh, well, maybe you'll get one one of these days, too. Yes, hopefully. hopefully. Jake Myers, thanks for taking the time to join us. Best of luck the rest of the year. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bobby Scales is our VP of Baseball. He joins us now to talk about a couple of different things. One is some of the stuff that came up in the Jake Myers interview. And I know that one thing that particularly intrigued you was his talk about scouting out Miller Park during batting practice before his first game there when he happened to make that great catch. What was your take? Well, the key piece of that is, and that,
3: that's a good job by the player development staff that had Jake in the minor leagues and also by the, the current big league staff and the, the coach that's uh, responsible for the outfield defense as well. When you go to a new ballpark, even if you come, even if you come to the major league and it's your home park, the first thing you have to do is have an, it is have a really detailed walk around the outfield. You're going around the outfield. The, oftentimes the, the outfield coach has a fungo; He's getting balls off the pads. That's This pad is dead. This pad is alive. This one looks brand new. How does this ball come off? There's chain link here. There's a scoreboard there. I mean, the, all the different things and all the different nooks and crannies of an outfield. So this is not guesswork while they're out here. A lot of people always think that all the precision work happens on the infield and you just give a guy a long glove and he goes out there and he plays. He waits for the ball to get to him and, and he catches it. And that's not it in the outfield. In the outfield, it's just as precise as it is in the infield. The, obviously the way you're catching the ball more often than not is different. But you have to know those surroundings. You have to have an understanding of the wall. How many steps are you to the wall over your left shoulder, over your right shoulder, straight back? If I'm playing in, how many more running steps do I need to add to the equation? All of these things are not guesswork. This is this is precise measurement, different for each player because everybody's built different. Strive length is different. All Speed is different. All of these things are different. The warning tracks in different parks are of different material and they're different sizes as well. So these are all things that every time a, a major league output goes to a a new stadium, or in the in the in the case of Toronto, the the dimensions or Detroit, even the dimensions are changed in a stadium. You have to investigate these things and become comfortable with them as soon as possible, so you know exactly what's happening when that ball is in the air.
0: And Jake Myers clearly has done that. And he's been well instructed in essentially how to do that, having had a father that I think worked him pretty hard as a kid, a former minor league player, and then having Darren Erstad at the University of Nebraska. What do you know of, of I guess, Erstad and, and the way that he coaches? And such? I I don't
3: know Darren personally. Uh, when I was with the Angels in the, in the uh, the as the director of player development, Nebraska came out to air, play Arizona State twice. They practiced at our facility. So I did have the opportunity to speak with him, but I'm for me to say I have a critical relationship uh, with him would be, would be false and erroneous. But I will say this, you notice the attention the detail when you watched his team work out, when you watched his team, the, the few glimpses that I had when they were playing against other Big Ten teams, especially my Michigan team, they did things with precision. They played the game, quote unquote, the right way. And, and the right way is, is, is catching the ball, making the correct plays, doing the next right thing. And, and it's pretty clear. You mentioned his Jake's father being a former minor league player himself, he understands what it looks like to be professional. And when I say professional, professionals take care of all the little things uh, on the baseball field. Even though he didn't play in the big league, it doesn't matter. He understands what it's like to be professional. And then obviously when you have a a coach who was a tremendous outfielder, not just a good one, a tremendous outfielder in their nurse that certainly he's going to be well instructed in that portion of his career as to how to play outfield. So I, th- that's a key piece of of becoming the outfielder that he is having that tutelage at an early age
0: a lot of good things from that interview besides those things and you, you alluded to it before with the attention to detail not just in the ballpark But in the way that he makes his dives and the way that he reads balls off the bat and things of that sort, a lot of good stuff there. Glad that we were able to talk to him. Fielding Bible Awards, we like to do kind of like a Fielding Bible Awards check-in every so often here. I've got a couple of players that I wanted to bring up to you. The overall leader in defensive runs saved is looking like he's going to win potentially two this year and that's Haseung Kim of the Padres. Guy plays multiple positions. He's got 16 defensive runs saved at the time that we're talking. That's five more than any other player in baseball. He's the best guy at second base, and he looks really good this season.
3: His ability to play not just one, but multiple positions at an elite level is special. Guy simply can't do that. He's an everyday player that plays a different position, and for him to be excellent, not just good, excellent at multiple positions speaks to his level of preparation, his God given ability, his ability, and you'll hear me say this about every infielder we ever talk about. The good infielders have great feet. If you get to A ball, double A, whatever it is in professional baseball, you have the ability to catch the baseball. The separator with these players is how well their feet work. You will not see these guys get bad hops. Why? Because they have superior feet. It is amazing to watch these guys work and amazing to watch major league infielders of a high caliber use their feet to put their glove in a perfect situation virtually every time. Hassan Kim does that as good as anybody on the planet.
0: Since he's come to the major league, his defense has been very solid defensive runs saved every year. This is the year that we're seeing it more because I think he's playing more and he's making some more flashy plays. Speaking of flashy plays, Wander Franco doesn't just make flashy plays. He makes the routine ones too. He's the shortstop leader in defensive runs saved. What have you seen from him this year?
3: And again, it speaks to feet. Now you talk about a superior athlete with gifted footwork. That's Wanda Franco. Again, you talk, you talk about making the routine play. When you're playing shortstop in the major league, if you cannot make the routine play, you will not play shortstop in the major league for very long. Wanda Franco makes the routine play look routine. He also makes the special play look easy and the ridiculous play look even, even it, it's, I think with him, the thing that comes to mind, the first thing you said when I, when you, you told me this is what we're going to talk about was ease of operation. Special athletes move differently. Special athletes just do things that cannot be explained. And he's a special athlete on top of being a very good, highly skilled baseball player.
0: And we're sticking up the middle here. Uh, the other guy that I want to bring up, the center fielder leader in defensive run save. Seems like we bring him up every year. I think he kind of took advantage of that lowered fence in center field on his home run robbery earlier this season. And that's Kiermaier. But he was he was great in May. Defensive player, co-defensive player of the month, the arm, the glove. He seems like he's turned the clock back a little bit too.
3: Well, without a doubt. It's a situation where a little bit when your physical skills roll back a touch, what you've gained in, in experience and, mentality and knowledge, Allows you to a certain point. There is a breaking point with that, but to a certain point, and I think Kevin Kiermaier is clearly in it. Some of the the savvy and the knowledge that he has is able to overcome some of the physical challenges that you face when you naturally get older. Father Time's undefeated, we know that, but Kevin Kiermaier has been tremendous. He is tremendous, and I'm, I'm certainly Jake Myers said so in his interview, and he's correct, and he's absolutely correct. Again, it's the knowledge, it's the preparation, it's understanding your whole ballpark. And one thing Jake also said that I've witnessed from Kiermaier just in, in being around in batting practice sessions with him is the balls off the bat. He plays those balls off the bat. Jackie Bradley Jr. used to do this too. Plays those balls off the bat like his game seven of the World Series because that's how important it is to an outfielder.
0: He's been awesome. Uh, he's been fantastic. Let me throw one more out at you just because he's had a great all-around year. Marcus Simeon, who we talked to.
3: Marcus Simeon's tremendous. I am I, a big fan of Marcus Simeon just from afar. Again, I don't know him as well, but I do know Ron Washington and, and the things that he's able to do with infielders and Marcus Simeon was not always a very good defender and he made himself a good defender and, and Ron Washington challenged him. And said, what kind of major league player do you want to be? Do you want to be a guy who's just the guy or do you want to be that dude? And I think we found th- I think we know the response. And when you go to work with watch two things, you're going to learn and you're going to work and, and watching him become the defender. He's become not just at shortstop, but also at the second base position is was pretty special to watch. And it's, it's, it's a testament to what a uh, focused work, desire and a a lot of athletic ability can do if you are if you are up for the task
0: cool bobby scales thank you for taking the time to join us best of luck and we'll be talking to you again in a couple of weeks see you thank you gentlemen always a pleasure and that wraps up this episode check out the show notes for this episode to see videos of all the plays we talked about you can go to sportsinfosolutions.com for articles and baseball coverage including a recent piece on masahiro tanaka now pitching in japan And follow us on social media, SIS underscore baseball, Bobby underscore scales, and Mark A. Simon says. For Marcus Simeon, Jake Myers, Bobby Scales, and our producer, Justin Stein, I'm Mark Simon. Thank you for listening to the Sports Info Solutions Baseball Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the SIS Baseball Podcast.
2: If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. If you have any questions, Email the show at mark at sportsinfosolutions.com or tweet
0: us at sportsinfo underscore SIS.